Greetings to you all in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, greetings especially to our friends and fellow members at Lord of Grace Lutheran Church in Marana, Tucson. My name is Paul Hammer. I have the honor and privilege of presenting the gospel message today. Uh, I am a retired Lutheran pastor and the father of Pastor Lars Hammer of Lord of Grace Lutheran Church. So greetings again, the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. My comments are on the gospel lesson for today from Matthew, the 15th chapter. Some days ago, I was listening to National Public Radio. The author of a book entitled Jesus and John Wayne, a rather interesting title, was being interviewed. The author of the book spoke about the relationship of politics and church in America. And after some discussion, the host of the program took calls from the listening audience. One man who called in and identified himself, called in and identified himself as a Bible-believing Christian. He went on in the course of the interview to emphasize this Bible-believing nature of both him and his church. He explained that some churches, and he specifically mentioned Catholics, were more like another religion, like Buddhism or Hinduism or Judaism. He belonged to a Bible-believing church. His explanation or understanding of the Christian faith as practiced in his church was a claim that his faith was perhaps more authentic Christian. He claimed one authority for the faith practiced in his church, and that was the Bible. And with that claim came the intimation that perhaps other denominations were not so inclined to give the Bible ultimate authority. Well, I bristled at his words, and I took offense. The Bible is our authority as a Lutheran people, it's our authority for faith and life. It's my authority. I have preached sermons for somewhere around 50 years, right from the scriptures, because the scriptures are centered to our life as a Christian people. And it's out of the scriptures that we come to know our Lord, come closer to our God. Martin Luther said this, scripture alone, only well, he said it in Latin, sola scriptura. Scripture alone. The Bible is the final authority for the faith and life of our evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Unequivocally, it is the authority for our faith and life. I felt like the man calling into the radio program had a prejudiced view of the faith of not only our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ, but perhaps a prejudiced view of faithful Christian people in other denominations, such as Lutheran or Methodist or Anglican or Presbyterian. To Martin Luther, and who was the great teacher for us as Lutherans, to Martin Luther's scriptures were the final authority. It is the church's responsibility to interpret and teach the scriptures in such a way 
that Christ is exalted as our Lord and Savior. It is the church's responsibility, and I use the word church in the broadest meaning, to make Christ known. It is the church's responsibility to interpret the scriptures so that Christ might be known. We pray every time we say our Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. And as we read the scriptures, we become sensitive to making Christ known in the world and making his kingdom come. When we interpret scriptures, it is to the end of guiding us and revealing God's kingdom to those around us. Well, now back to my irritating Christian brother who called to say that he was a member of a Bible-believing church, as though there were other churches that were not Bible-believing. Whenever the Bible is read or studied or quoted, there is always an element of interpretation. No one ever reads the Bible except from some perspective. How does an atheist read the Bible and what do they see when they hear when they read it? How does a Jewish person interpret it? How does a Baptist interpret the scriptures about the sacraments? On and on and on there comes with every reading of the scripture an intrinsic background inter uh, view of interpretation. The man's in, the, uh, the Bible-believing man that called into the radio station, uh, his view must be shared somehow within his denomination. I'm always a suspect of those who claim that they are members of a Bible-believing church. Well, I wonder who's interpreting the scriptures. Is the local preacher the sole interpreter? Is the interpretation come from a Bible school? Who is picking out the passages that are being quoted? What is leading, leading people to read or hear certain passages? What verses are being used to explain or justify or guide our lives? To say that one is Bible-believing is not enough for me. I want to know how you interpret the scripture and on whose authority do you rely for your understanding of meaning of various passages. I want to know how you understand the Old Testament in relationship to the New. I want to know how you understand the Bible's proclamation of grace. I want to know how you understand law and grace. I want to know how you understand how we are saved by faith alone. I want to know if you sense and feel the love of Jesus for all. I want to know if you are using the Bible to justify your assumptions of morality and ethics or politics, or are you letting scriptures inform and lead and change and correct your views. Sola Scriptura. Ring out the words of Martin Luther. We just read from a Bible lesson from the book of Matthew in the Bible, uh, which Jesus encounters a Canaanite woman, non-Jew, 
He had gone across a border. He was among Canaanites. He encounters a Canaanite woman who, without reservation, shouts and hollers and pleads and pleads for Jesus' attention. She has a daughter that has a demon. She wants Jesus to heal her daughter. The love of a mother. Perhaps there might be differences of interpretation as to the meaning of demon-possessed. What did they mean by demon possession in Jesus' time? I'm not sure. But the real problem in this text has nothing to do with the term demon possession. But it has to do with Jesus' words back to her pleas. He says to her, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the people of Israel. In other words, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the people of Israel. She's not put off. She comes and kneels before Jesus and pleads, Lord, help me. And now comes those so troubling words out of the mouth of Jesus. He says, it is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Oh my gosh. Did Jesus call her a dog? How strange. How do you interpret that? It doesn't seem like that is anything that our loving Lord would say to anyone. Just because she is a Canaanite woman doesn't mean she could be called a dog. At least I don't think so. But you know, the woman doesn't seem to be mind at all. And she has a quick, clever response. She says to Jesus, even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Ooh, what a reply. Now Jesus responds with a different kind of attitude. O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. The Canaanites woman's pleas are heard. Her faith in Jesus is justified. Her daughter is healed. I've read different explanations as to why Jesus might have called her a dog or used that metaphor of a dog eating scraps that fall from a table. But none of the explanations that I have read are particularly satisfying to me. Perhaps Jesus wasn't as rude as it appears in our English translation. I don't know. I do know that Jesus responded with healing for her daughter. I do know that he praised the woman's faith, and she wasn't even Jewish like him. And I understand those parts of this text. I see in this healing accounting in this healing account from the book of Matthew, the love of Christ and his openness to people who are different and he include and his openness to the inclusion of all humanity and the loving purpose of God for us. This caring, healing nature of our Lord is found throughout the New Testament. The rude affront to the woman of liking her to a dog 
is strange. Nothing like it can be found in other places in the New Testament. No such attitude of Jesus is revealed anywhere. I have to think that there is something I don't understand about Jesus' response. Perhaps it has to do with the culture of the time or how the Gospel of Matthew has been translated or how disciples heard or misheard the conversation. I just don't know. I do know that Jesus went to Canaan. He taught and healed there across the border among the foreigners. He didn't put up walls of separation between people, other people, different people, but rather opened up loving relationships and broke down barriers of prejudice. People, supposedly Christian people, have used scripture to justify separation. They've used it to justify prejudice. They've used it to justify dominance power, wealth. And this kind of use of scripture has gone on throughout history. It is not good Bible interpretation, but rather an offense to our Lord. You can always pick out a passage from somewhere in the Bible and turn it and twist it into a justification for some kind of evil, immoral, or unethical act. People use religion all the time for such things. They think that somehow religion will justify evil. It does not. They use the Bible for such things in perverted ways. For instance, might someone use the story of the Canaanite woman to justify male dominance? Female submission. I've never heard it used that way. And I hope that it would not be used that way. But people can take scriptures and turn them and twist them. So we read scriptures and we give the scriptures authority in our lives. And we let the scriptures lead us to our Lord. And we let our Lord lead us to acts of mercy that reveal this kingdom coming. We turn a deaf ear to interpreters that would appeal to our itchy ears. Our itchy ears wanting to hear those things that confirm our prejudice, feed our fears. And it always starts with, did you know that? Really? We need to turn a deaf ear to preachers and teachers that don't raise up Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So we turn our backs on those that would use the Bible to perpetrate and perpetuate injustice and unkindness. We rather open our hearts and minds to the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in so doing, we find salvation. Amen.